Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. I realized then, peace was never an option. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CTO831, but you can call me Hugs, and this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 3, titled The Solitary Clone. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we run into an old colleague of ours who's not as evil as we are, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, joining our small battalion, we are so glad to have a true friend and war hero joining us. Her name is CT0118, but you can call her Brushstroke. I'm really excited to listen to you say sir for the next however many weeks. <laughs> just, I can't help it. It's just, it's just Omega, Omega. It's omega. perfect. Um, perfect. Thank you. That's the, that's the only word I can say in that accent properly. So, uh, and listen, dropping in from the sky way up high, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. Ahoy hoy. That's just going to be my the way I log in now or, or report just in. Every I'm single time. to it. Ahoy hoy. Last week was, no, was the beginning of a 15-week-long a journey of ahoy hoy. Get ready for all the ahoy hoys, a boy boys, and a goy goys. <laughs> uh, we... <laughs> are going to be talking about uh, this episode, Bad Batch, uh, episode three, going a bit darker this time around. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked last week about how we kind of like how this series tends to dip its toes into the dark. And I think with a focus on Crosshair, this was, this got there. Like the whole episode, Mm -hmm. not just sprinkly (laughs) bits of it, the entire episode. Yeah, yeah, which, like, I just want to talk about it. So before we get sniped, let's get into this episode. Uh, The episode starts off, we see an Imperial invasion of the planet Desix uh, as challenging Governor Groton speaks to the actual governor of Desix, Tawny Ames, uh, and demands she steps down from her title. She warns him and tells tells them Desix does not fall under Imperial jurisdiction. Uh, she then calls in a massive battalion of frickin' battle droids at her command while saying, I have a message for your empire. Oh, so badass. Before we continue, uh, first off, how freaking dope was it to see that battle droids are still in commission at this point? Um, I think with this show taking place after, uh, sorry, I think with this show taking place after Revenge of the Sith, we just kind of expected droids to kind of go away but i know we've seen them in the animated series in the past but we see they're still being used here what did you think of them and then what did you think of tawny ames and her freaking mic drop that she laid on us with that line i mean it's awesome to see the battle droids i'm always happy to hear any time that you know matthew wood's voice come through with the roger roger or, or anything like that they're so or the ahoy hoy or, yeah or the ahoy hoy i mean we haven't heard it yet, but who knows there may be a droid out there saying it i mean it's cool because as a fan of the books, we see battle droids later on, even surviving after the fall of the Empire. So we're talking mm-hmm. even farther in the future. But again, seeing them in the full-fledged battalion was something that I wasn't expecting at this point in time. And even like 
how many there were. It wasn't just like one small fleet. They had enough to defend this town, this city with, you know, a battle droid army, which I thought was, again, something I wasn't expect, expecting to see clankers being taken out by clones. <laughs> so that, that alone was enough for me to love this episode. Oh, 100%. Cool. I love seeing these old school droids with their sassy remarks and, you know, <laughs> knowing they're a little less than genius. But uh, I think it's so cool that they're obviously not under imperial control like they were previously but um this this sector or this city um this planet of desix has reprogrammed reprogrammed them in a way to not follow you know the empire's orders in the way they would have i guess if um yeah you mentioned sassy droids sorry <laughs> the droid going mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> It was so good. It was just so. I honestly, again, like you're saying, Darcy, it's so great whenever we get to hear droids talking. And then, just again, how classic. You're right to have clones versus clankers is just such a dope sort of rush of odd, odd little rush of nostalgia, even though it hasn't really been that long yep. <laughs> since we've seen this happen. Um, but I, I just thought it was uh, really fantastic. And then I, I also just wanted to mention, um, like freaking the governor wearing the the like the bush style uh, yeah. mask that she's wearing and how, the way her voice sounds on it like it was giving me leia vibes and i just thought it was really cool to see just like i don't know of course of course the the separatist groups have never worked with the empire they would still retain these droids but i just thought she was so badass and just like i have a message for your empire i was like that is straight up like something that leia would say mm -hmm. uh and it just i was i really liked her character she reminded me a lot of um and maybe it's just the mask and stuff but she reminded me of zori from the sequel oh, yeah, zori bliss yeah 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 i was like is this are we gonna get something from no obviously not but <laughs> it, it gave off the like badass chick vibes that zori gives us very much so very much so uh so then listen we get our first look at ct9904 crosshair this season a very lonely crosshair with no one wanting to sit with him at lunch <laughs> Uh, he reports to Rampart, who informs him that he's been medically cleared for active duty. We then learn that he was stranded on the ruined Camino for 32 rotations. Rampart assigns him uh, a mission on Desix, reminding him that we do not negotiate. He tells him to do whatever is necessary to secure the city and retrieve Governor Groton. Uh, he's told he's not ready to be a commander again, and that he'll be briefed by his new commander at the Battle Memorial. His new commander, we learn, is none other then freaking Commander Cody. Uh, before we start talking about Cody, because I know everyone's like freaking out. Oh, God, talk about Cody. Um, just really quick. <laughs> how long, if, if either of you know, how long is a rotation? If Crosshair survived 32 of them on a ruined Camino, how did he do that? How long is a rotation? Is it a short period of time? Rotation is a day. That's, they're talking about like a rotation of the planet itself. So it might be uh, okay. a different number than 24 hours. But it, in the context, it's about he spent about over a month on this Just platform. sitting there. And I'm just wondering, how did he get food? Like, what was what does the survival Fish, training require I'm to assuming... live on Camino? Like, Yeah. Did he have sniper bullets still? Like, could he have just sniped some fish out of the water maybe? Yeah. But again, yeah. that's the water's always so far down there and the waves are so tumultuous. Like how is he harvesting his shots or whatever? It's it's, <laughs> it's that worries the question, is that like he must have been so like emaciated and dehydrated and that might have been part of why he it took so long for him to get cleared for active service was just 
bulking up again and getting back into a, a healthy shape. It's nuts. But Darcy, Darcy, he's a good soldier. He, he follows orders. <laughs> um, but speaking of, of actual good soldiers uh, who follow orders, let's talk about Commander Cody. What did you think, Meg? I, you were freaking oh out <laughs> uh, when you saw this. What did you think of the return of Commander Cody? Full gasp. The moment he said Commander Cody, I was like, I love I love the the named clones from the Clone Wars series, uh, specifically mm-hmm. Cody because he's very much connected to Obi Wan, and Obi Wan's mm-hmm. my favorite favorite mm-hmm. Jedi. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that he's brought back. Initially, it scared me a little bit because I was like, I don't want him to be evil or to you know be that good soldier who follows orders and sticks to you know what he's being told to do. Um, I'm glad it didn't pan out that way, but it was exciting to see him in this episode, um, and exciting. I liked his helmet. I don't know if that's, Mm -hmm. I like the new design. That's his original helmet. That's his original helmet, actually. Yeah, yeah, but it's not orange anymore. Yes, it just used to be orange. So he's, clearly the the Empire's like, yo, you guys can have different ranks, but we don't want you being different colors. (laughs) That's too much to to figure out. No personality. No No more yellow. Faceless soldiers. Yeah. I mean, I think it was really cool. I mean, I'm pretty sure we saw him in the trailer for this season. Uh, mm-hmm. the fact okay. He was talking to Crosshair. So, I mean, that wasn't a surprise to me, but I still think it's really interesting that at this point in time, Commander Cody thinks he had a hand in killing Obi-Wan. So, like, this is a guy who followed Order 66 all the way through, and now we're seeing what effect that's had on him. Because, again, he had such a strong relationship with Obi-Wan, and he has that on his conscience now that his mind's maybe a bit clearer after the whole Order 66 is kind of faded into the past so it's i'm i'm really stoked that this episode is an exploration of both crosshair and cody's position in the empire now so mm-hmm. really cool really cool way to kick things off oh it was such a nice contrast to see the mm-hmm. two where you know crosshair's from order or um clone force 99 so he's always been this sort of outcast doing things he's not supposed to do and now he's fallen into the like good soldier soldiers follow orders and i will do everything i'm told and Cody was with Obi-Wan in that sort of generation where um, he did follow all the orders and he tried to do everything by the law. And now he's realizing maybe that's not the right way to do things. Well, I love that we sort of, even in this moment, in their first interaction, we do get sort of a glimmer of hope in the way that he sort of is talking to Crosshair that like, oh, maybe we can still salvage him. Maybe we can still save him, especially given like the last thing we saw was him during Order 66, I think, right? During Revenge of Mm -hmm. the Sith Mm -hmm. um, and him turning towards Obi-Wan and starting to fire his blaster. So yeah, this was uh, this was quite a moment to to get to see him again, and um, I hope we get to see him even more. Uh, but let's keep going here. Um, Cody and Crosshair uh, and their crew head to Desix with the plan to catch them by surprise, wipe out the reprogrammed droids, and recover Governor Groton. Uh, and of course, Governor Ames and her army of droids—they have other plans for them. Uh, and as they engage in battle, shooting them uh, shooting them out of the sky. Um, they, they crash land onto the planet and then we see them sneak out of the wreckage and Crosshair lands a super dope freaking snipe into a tank with, with accuracy that only Crosshair could achieve. Uh, we see the locals are very wary of the, of the Empire after Cody tells the, tries to tell them, you know, we're here to help. Uh, they, they then get attacked by freaking droidicas, which like just even just hearing it was incredible. Uh, and then after they get stuck in a hallway... 
Crosshair makes another impossible shot by bouncing a shot off a metal puck, uh, which he's done before, taking out three droids and a tactical droid. So before we keep going, can we just talk about how incredibly skilled Crosshair is just in general, not even just in this episode, but just in general, those shots were incredible. uh, And it's not the first time that he's shown off these skills. What did you guys think of of Crosshair's uh, sniper performance in this episode? It's exactly what you expect from Crosshair. Again, with last season, you know, building up the whole thing that is he's the best sniper and can make all these impossible shots. This one, that one staircase scene really takes the cake in terms of how good he is at just what he does and what he does is kill people. So it's, it was epic to see that. And then his, the way he was working with Cody too, you could really see that, you know, clone camaraderie that we were so used to in the clone wars. And we're seeing it again with, again, Cody, a familiar face and then, and Crosser who's never really worked with him. So I just like how well clones can work together in terms of, and to get jobs done, like going into these dark places. Yeah, I loved um, obviously every single shot he took when he was aiming himself to shoot straight down that tank's barrel. I knew it was coming. The way they're framing the <laughs> shot, I was like, oh, he's going to shoot him right down the barrel. It's going to be so epic. <laughs> While they're firing at him and he's everything's blowing up behind him, he's so calm and so serene because <sighs> he knows what he has to do. And then in that staircase shot, um, I don't know if he's ever hit the reflective puck while it's moving. I okay, <laughs> Like that was the crazy part of it all mm-hmm. that we've obviously seen him do that crazy shot down the hallway in the first season. But this one, mm-hmm. it was like the puck was floating and he caught the perfect moment. That was insane. Unreal. I also really loved um, the moment where the both of them got sort of pinned down by the droids and Cody forfeited his blaster and brought a dagger out. And there was a moment I feel like it sort of mimicked Hunter and Crosshair. Oh, yeah. And I got like full body chills. And (laughs) I bet you Crosshair did too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Getting to experience that again and see that again. Yeah. um, You're absolutely right. And I I love what both of you are saying. Like, Darcy, the idea that Crosshair and Cody might not have fought together uh, in the past, but the way that they're so able to just instantly click into that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Hunter vibes was was dope. I, I wonder if that made Crosshair sort of uh, miss yeah. Hunter, his, his brother, a little bit in that moment. Mm-hmm. And just before we go any further, I also want to talk about a really cool visual from this, this uh, episode. And it was when Co- Cody's saying, I'm here to help you to the, the natives of the planet, of, of Desix or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he is in an. He's the only character who's lit up by orange, kind of reminiscent of his Clone Wars uh, coloring. And when he then was helping people. He's yeah. trying to help people, and he's trying to live up to that and still be the the people like the face that people can depend on. And because he's part of the Empire now, we see that it doesn't go his way at all. And just again, this the fact that they managed to get that across with just one shot of that That's orange really cool. light while Crosshair's hiding in the shadows beside him. It is just. I got chills from that one scene alone where it's like, damn, they know how to do, you know, visuals well. And I think even Justin mentioned how throughout the episode, uh, clones are going away from from Crosshair, just showing the distance between him and his fellow clones that that are 
remaining in the empire and how they're going a different direction than he is because of their beliefs and stuff. Visuals in this series are just incredible. Especially, I mean, we've only seen three episodes, but this episode specifically, there are so many moments where the animation is just mind-blowing and the lighting, lighting specifically, Darcy, like Mm -hmm. having that orange light, but also when to go back when Crosshair enters uh, Rampart's office for the first time, the window... sort of framing his head and crosshair walks in on the corner gave me like Thrawn vibes (laughs) and I got really excited um and again throughout this whole episode it happens more there's incredible lighting moments that I find are really specific to the Star Wars animation style and it makes it so intriguing to watch well not only what we see in this episode but what we hear hearing as i said those droidicas rolling in <laughs> for anyone who grew up with the prequel trilogy like just complete nostalgic tingles up and down i'm just like oh it's it's droidicas it's droidicas <laughs> and it's like it's so dumb because like they're not the greatest droids but because they were like the cool droids that were around when you know before the super battle droids or anything like that and they're just like rolling out and just like <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, it just so dope so cool there's also a moment that they highlighted and i don't know if it i'm assuming it was on purpose where one of the um i don't think it's a clone i think it's a stormtrooper that's someone who's been recruited throws one of those like um static bombs whatever it is that stop or it stops the shield it throw mm-hmm. they throw it too quickly and it bounces off the shield and there's one episode in Clone Wars where Ahsoka and Anakin are teaching them how to like roll it lightly so that it goes through the shield and then is it Cody that ends up getting it through I think so yeah so cool and then also that moment where the bomb hit the droid and then the droid slowly seeps into because crosshair shoots him so he falls into the droideka yeah there are so many good moments in terms of action in this thing and it it takes you right back to those clone war era when you're just fighting the battle droids it was so nostalgic despite it being not too far in our past so yeah i always love that feeling when you're, you're able to go back down memory lane despite it being a whole different timeline so good. So good. All right. Well, after catching up to Groton, we see that he's being held by he's being held hostage by Governor Ames. She gives her terms to Cody, claiming that Desix is an independent system separate from the Empire. We learn that Desix has had two previous skirmishes with the Imperial forces. Cody tells her the Empire only wants to establish peace and order throughout the galaxy. She rebukes this uh, and name drops her colleague Mina Bonteri uh, and mentions that she put forth a treaty with the Separatists and Republic senators alike to end the war. Uh, But the Supreme Chancellor rejected it. Uh, Sorry. But the Supreme Chancellor rejected it. Cody has Crosshair lower their blasters, offering peace yet again. She releases Groton, who commands Cody to execute Governor Ames. He disobeys his commanding officer's orders. And then, boom, Crosshair shoots her dead. They put her body in the square as a warning to the people of Desix and head back, but not until Crosshair witnesses stormtroopers, his replacements, landing in the city. Cody and Crosshair discuss the difference between themselves and battle droids and uh, saying, you know, we make our own choices and we have to live with them too. Crosshair reports to Rampart, who tells him that, uh, that he has a new mission for him and that Commander Cody has gone AWOL. So let's talk about this, again, really dark 
ending uh, for a show that we, you know, I, I mentioned last week that like we kept going back in season one of talking like this show's for kids. This show's not for kids. This show's for kids. This episode, I don't, not very for kids. Um, <laughs> what did you think of this this dark ending? And where do you think Commander Cody's going? Please don't be dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, right like you think Rampart might have just been like oh he's gone AWOL but re- in reality he seems to be hiding a lot of things from people as oh. we saw in episode 2 so who mm-hmm. knows what happened to Cody we actually were discussing it a little bit that uh, we wonder have we seen him in any of the Rebels episodes because this is all past um, or it's I guess Rebels is in the future of this series and I don't think they see him or you know interact with him at all so mm-hmm. he could be anywhere or gone <laughs> um Ugh. but also going back to um you know governor ames sort of speech about peace and how fake that is with empire and when she mentioned mina Bonteri, i about jumped out of my chair <laughs> i was like oh my god i i just love these clone war references and the fact that it's not holding onto those and making those the point it's just sort of mentioning them because that's what has happened in their history so um i thought that was really beautiful and you know nate you like to point out the music of the these shows and the moment that it the camera pans over to crosshair and we get that like sound i oh my god (laughs) that that sound is so bad batch and it scares me every time. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna sub in a Star Wars swear for a regular swear, <gasps> but Dank Ferric, the music was so so good. It was Blade Runner as Ferric. Uh, like uh, the sound design, the alarm noise, the empty <sighs> hallway, um, the white noises in parts of this episode. Like just everything audibly in this episode just had me on such a high. Uh, and the way the episode ends with the dour music and Crosshair just walking towards the camera. You know, last week Justin had mentioned, you know, how it's cool to see different aspects of Star Wars borrowing from each other and how we get in the live action series, we see stuff borrowed from the animated side. I think this absolutely was borrowed from Andor. This felt like an ending of Andor where it just kind of ends. Uh, And you just sort of see him walking down the hallway with this just Blade Runner music. Oh my gosh. I just, the music alone was like, I, just, so I, just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel bad for the guy because you think about what his bunk room used to be like with the other guys in there, how loud and, and boisterous they could be. And now he's just got to be, you know, on his own in this single little cot in what looks like a closet, basically. And he's just, he can't eat a meal in peace. Every time he sits down for a meal, Rampart's calling him to the office for something. It just, he's so alone and, and you feel for him so bad that like he thinks he's doing the right thing and this is the only thing he knows how to do. But the, co- like, at what, personal anguish he's going through just to be a good soldier if i they're doing such a great job of, of depicting how, where he is in mm-hmm. life right now with his the, how his fa- family's left him and he's following orders but he doesn't feel like those orders are maybe the right thing to do but it's all he can do it's his character is so nuanced and i, I can't wait to see where they take him and i think this this 
for me, felt like it might have been one of the darkest moments in Star Wars animated uh, mm-hmm. history. The only other moment I think it, that can come close is like uh, Ahsoka chopping off yeah. two heads at once was, was pretty <laughs> dark. Um, but also, also very badass. But this moment was a little bit, a little bit more sad, I think. Um, but I think the aspect of understanding the political ramifications of the Empire moving from army to army was really cool, and it's really interesting to see three generations of armies and how easily they're replaced, right? Mm-hmm. We see the Clone Wars taking out the Clankers mm-hmm. and then only to, to then see the Stormtroopers taking over for them. It just gives these characters that were, they were just faceless cannon fodder in, in the original movies. And so to see their actual worth, um, I just think it fits so well with the overall themes of this series. And I thought the way this episode ended was was absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal with, with those those sequences. Mm-hmm. Well, and talking about the new armies, I know I said it in the first season, but again, seeing these these like pre stormtrooper helmets, very much Macquarie inspired, I love yes. it, and it is. I oh. want to see more of them because they are so. Like, it's so cool to see something that was you know just a sketch at one point actually be realized and brought into canon so many years after its inception. So that 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 alone always makes me smile seeing seeing those things continued. So I, I love the way I love the look of this mid empire. Or like between army thing, it's great. Give me more. And this is why we love Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Praise to Dave Filoni. Um, I uh, before we we kind of wrap up and get to our final thoughts, we're not going to be doing a prediction segment for this episode. Um, we're not going to have them for every single episode, but. I've got a new thing that I'd like to introduce. It's called a batch fact. Uh, So batch fact for you all. We were actually supposed to see Commander Cody again in the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, live action (gasps) series. Uh, But the story trip treatment written by uh, writer Stuart Beatty was never used. He was originally going to be put in charge of watching after Luke uh, after Ben left Tatooine to find Leia. And they never used that storyline. So that would have been incredible. That makes me so Um, sad. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right? It oh. would have been pretty phenomenal. But who knows, you know, if, if the story treatment was written like that in the past. You know, again, we don't know where he went. He's gone AWOL. Uh, maybe we'll get to see something similar in the future. I know Lucasfilm likes to kind of sometimes dive back in and say, you know, there was a story or there was a thing that we were going to use and then we didn't, but now we are sort of thing. And we've seen that in the past, especially with these animated series. Well, and now that I'm thinking back, do we actually see Cody get on that ship? Like when? Yeah. Oh, we do yes, watch he him. He does walk. Yes. On. After he okay. watches the after he watches the new guys walk off the ship, he turns, puts his helmet on, and boards the ship. Okay. Like, I was hoping maybe he we just never saw him get on, so maybe he just never got on, and he went. But he's just hanging out oh, with well. uh, the people of Desix or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, listen, let's uh, let's get to our final thoughts and uh, score for this episode, uh, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five impossible crosshair shots. Uh, and Darcy, we're going to start with you this week. Well, I think it's pretty obvious what my score is going to be. This was <laughs> the perfect reintroduction to the character of Crosshair, much like those first two episodes were the perfect reintroduction to the Bad Batch as a whole. So, again, it gave me everything I wanted, in term- even with the darkness. Like I said, when we maybe go this Crosshair route of the story, we will see darker stuff. And that this episode delivered on that. And, again, we got developments of not only him, but Cody's standing and why he where the way he feels after order 66 so many things that i loved about this uh, episode are what make me want to come back to this series because this poten- the potential for storytelling on this side of things is so in- like intriguing like i can't wait to see what crosshair does 
after more interactions with other clones or with these new stormtroopers or just Rampart himself because he clearly is so unsure of himself and where he stands right now. You can see it in the way he carries himself where he's only confident when he's got that helmet on and he's pulling off one of these impossible shots. So again, I can't wait for more. This was an easy five out of five impossible crosshair shots. Wow. Two five and a fives in, in a, a row? row? In a row. This is so far off to a great start. So Jeez, I can't, okay. I'm not looking forward to when it goes down. <laughs> Darcy's not Megan, looking forward yourself? to the filler episodes. No, oh, those yeah. filler episodes terrify me. <laughs> uh, for myself, I'm going to have to just agree with literally everything you said. Uh, it was so exciting to see Crosshair again and to have him featured in such a dark place was really appropriate for the trajectory of his journey and where he seems to be going. Um, I I can't get enough of the like callbacks and the little Easter eggs of the Clone Wars, but not having the story so focused on that and introducing new characters or people we haven't met before. So um, I love everything about this episode. Also, the animation, I will talk about it in probably every single episode. The lighting and the visual development of this particular episode was unbelievable and sort of gave me like season seven, the duel between um, Ahsoka and Darth Maul vibes with the lighting Mm -hmm. like that. It really Mm -hmm. was so centered around lighting and it worked so beautifully together with the audio as well. So... I I don't see myself going lower than a five, but like <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. I'm giving this episode five out of five impossible crosshair shots. Oh my gosh, we're just a bunch of <laughs> Dave Filoni stands over it. here. We're we're just you know what? Anything Star Wars makes five out of five. Why do you even listen to this part of the episode? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Star Wars uh, animation. But, Star Wars animation. There we go. Specifically, um, but yeah, I've uh, I enjoyed this episode so much. I think the moments here, getting an introspective solo story for Crosshair, as we see him still so dedicated to the Empire, but then throughout the episode, as we get those subtle hints of him realizing that the Empire is not what he thought. It'd be uh, the music in this episode, like we were saying, is just stellar. The action was fantastic. Uh, there were tense edge of your seat moments, and the fact that we get such a dark ending was actually really, honestly, refreshing uh, for this show. I remember last season we we you know we would get so close to something like seeing Orn Frita actually get murdered only to realize that he was perfectly fine in the next episode. And, and it was like those moments kept bringing us back to the idea of like, oh, it's a show aimed at kids and they can't kill off that character for whatever reason. But it's moments in episodes like this that make me feel like this show does have a broader range of audience. Uh, now, you batches, <laughs> you did it again. Here's the deal, okay? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you, okay, we're going to go to a universe where Crosshair never left the group. He became an even better uh, dad, and maybe I, I, I really hope we get to see this one day um, with him teaching Omega or something like that to shoot or snipe or something would be really cool. Uh, but I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna put this fan narrative out here. You, both of you, are, are dad crosshair, good dad hair cro- crosshair, and I'm aiming, <laughs> I'm aiming my little sniper, I'm little Omega, and I'm aiming at a 4.5. Guess what? Guess what? You lift my arm up slightly, and boom, we're at five out of five. Right down the barrel of the shots. tank gun. Just right down the barrel of the tank. Uh, This episode was right on target. 
Uh, all right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, listen, you don't have to shoot a, a shiny flying disc in the air only to take out three droids in one shot. Instead, Megan, can you let the batches know where they can reach us by hollow message? They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can find us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Very straight and to the point, just like a shot from Crosshair. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows. Uh, we've got some reviews out now that you can definitely check out. Uh, and we have some interviews like our, our interview with the Bad Batch themselves. I sat down with D. Bradley Baker, uh, which was just absolutely insane. He had a record voice. I had a record voice at one point. Uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. And Justin actually sat down with uh, the series writer, Jennifer Corbett, and the supervising director, Brad Rao. And uh, he got to, he actually asked them some pretty uh, interesting questions. So definitely check out those uh, interviews uh, on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, and you can you know subscribe there, click the bell, so you can keep up with all the great stuff coming at you in this new year that is 2023, this new era of Star Wars discussion, as I like to call it. Megan, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good soldiers, follow orders. orders.